What I want to talk about this morning is the influence of a father, the influence of a godly father. I think it's incredibly important to talk about it now, uh, and so that's what we're going to do. So we're going to be reading the scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read through verse 3. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, says this. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it. Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. So Father, I pray your blessing over your word. I thank you for every man here. I pray that you would speak to all of us. May our hearts be ready. May our minds be engaged to have the scriptures speak to us. I pray for everyone watching online that can't be here, that you would strengthen them, you would bless them. And Father, that you would move uh, upon us by your spirit, bringing a great spiritual awakening here into our city, into our land. We pray this in your name we ask, in Jesus' name, amen. And so this morning, it's my honor to be with you on Father's Day and to speak to you on something I think is incredibly important. So I want to talk to the dads, but while talking to the dads, some of the principles They're way bigger than just the dads. They relate to women. They relate to those that maybe don't have biological children. But I also want to say this. I know when I say I want to talk about dads, some of you are thinking, well, I'm not a dad. Well, maybe you're a parent, a single parent. One day you're going to be a, uh, a dad. Or even though you don't have biological children, you have the influence on others, maybe mentoring coaching them as a dad. And so I know there's people that, that I'm not their biological father that look to me in, in that sense as a father. So anyway, so the application is very broad there. I also want to mention that uh, I think there's no more important subject that we can talk about because uh, when you look at the statistics out there, the statistics are absolutely staggering. Even though the culture tries to minimize the importance of manhood and masculinity. Even though the things I'm going to talk about are absolutely politically incorrect because they don't fit the narrative out there, but I'm just going to give you, here are the facts which establishes the incredible importance of manhood and masculinity and fathers in the home. So check this out. Out of 10 homes, out of 10 homes, how many homes do you think when you have runaway children, how many homes do you think there is a father that's fatherless, that there's no dad? Out of 10 that is fatherless, and you have 10 of them that are not, that run away, nine of them are from fatherless homes. I mean, what does that tell you right there about the importance of a father? Uh, just a staggering statistic. When you're talking behavioral disorders, how many out of 10 here do you think are from a fatherless home? Almost nine out of 10. Uh, when you look in jail, one of the things I like to do is people that serve time, I love to ask them, hey, tell me about the father uh, figures in your life. Every one of them, uh, that I've ever talked to has never had a father figure, a healthy father figure in their life. Nine out of 10 men that are incarcerated don't have a father. And so you see here, even like high school dropouts, there, if you take 10 of them, seven of them are from fatherless homes here. When you talk about uh, chemical abuse and rehabs, 75% fatherless homes. So what are the statistics pointing to, screaming at us about the importance of the father? These stats, they're stunning, aren't they? I mean, they're staggering, but they're not surprising also. The results, again, 
they're, they're not politically correct, they're politically incorrect, but when you look at, when you talk to a criminologist, when you talk to a Jordan Peterson, uh, America's psychologist, when you talk to educators or Christ followers, what you find is this, is that culturally, what the media, the narrative, the proposed media of the narrative does not fit reality when it comes to fathers and their importance. And so I just wanted to establish that and also say that even though it's Father's Day and I'm talking about fathers, mothers are absolutely incredibly important in the process. Uh, goes without saying, but I just want to acknowledge that, that God designed our roles to be complementary. God designed our roles there that together we would reflect the heart the person of God to them, and neither one of us can do it on our own. So it's absolutely complementary. A mother's role is absolutely essential, primary, foundational to the care, the nurture, the intimacy of raising children. And so I just need to acknowledge that before we jump into the message. But all of that to say this, all of that to say this, that we need a generation of men we need a generation of men that understand the importance of their influence and the importance of being a godly father. So I'm going to give you three points about how to do that. I'm going to unpack that. But every father watching online, every father here today, this is a call to step up. This is a call to step into your place as a godly father. Now, some of you, you may need to re-step in and maybe to hit the restart button on the process. Maybe you've begun, you're going to figure out, as I'm talking today, that you need to do that. But the fact of the matter is, if you produce a family, it doesn't make you a father. If you, you have a, a mate, it doesn't make you, it doesn't make a marriage. Uh, and so I'm going to talk about what is at stake this morning. And what is at stake is this. This is my appeal to you. That how we live our lives, how we lead our homes, how we do our marriages will not only impact you, but impacts your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. And so see the, the, the importance, uh, the implications of what happens uh, in this talk this morning and how we live our lives out is huge. One of my favorite movies was Gladiator, and uh, Russell Crowe uh, was Maximus Arius, and he was, the, he was the leader of the Roman army. And you may remember the scene there, the dramatic scene before they were going to go out. And what happened was is he began to talk to them about what was going to happen. He talked to them about heaven. And he kept saying, hold the line. Remember that? Hold the line. And then he said these words after talking about heaven, knowing that many of them would die. He said this. He said, what we do in this life echoes in eternity. And that's what the Bible is saying here. Man, what you do in this life is going to echo in your kid's life, going to echo in your kid's kid's life and their kid's life. And that's why there's so much at stake here. And so the starting point for me here, a couple points, is number one is this. Is it relative to a father's responsibility? I'm going to talk about the scriptures here and how you relate to that and how you live that out. I think it's important just to be reminded that as men here, that you have to do it in a way that is uh, fair, that is kind, that's not heavy-handed, and that is not dictatorial. Okay, so we're going to talk about the three points here, but we need to do these in a way that is relational. I think kids, if you, you, 
I mean, they know you're not perfect. Like I have the added layer of giving talks and my kids know, they see me talk and they live with me or they've lived with me much of their lives. They're graduated in college and all now. But I have that extra layer there and you have the layer of they live with you. They know your life. They know you're not perfect. So how do you, how do, you do that if you want to be influential in their lives? Well, you have to be humble. You have to be humble about if you, you make mistakes there, uh, uh, you have to recognize that uh, being humble is the way that you gain their respect, actually. When you power up, when you try to justify and rationalize and all that, you are not going to uh, be the kind of dad that can influence them. Another thing that I wanted to mention is this, is that sometimes we think that, hey, if we're just loving, we're going to have influence. That's not true. It's not true. You might, but it doesn't mean you can have influence. Another thing you can think, like if you're, you work hard and you're a great provider, you can have influence. It's not true. See, influence happens when there is love. There's got to be time, which makes relationship. And out of relationship, then, you can have influence in their lives. So the fact of the matter is that a relationship with your children starts when they're young. And I recognize many of us don't have young kids, but some of us do. For those of you that have young kids, I want to say this, or maybe grandkids, it needs to start now regardless of their age. And I say this because men, I think, sometimes we're wired up that we think that when they're little, well, that's like my wife's job to raise them. Uh, when they're older and we can do sports or we can do hobbies, things like that, then I'll kind of more engage. No, you need to begin to engage right away. And so if you're a parent, here's the take-home point. Here's the take-home point. It is not their job to engage you and enter into your world. It is your job to engage and to enter into their world. See, sometimes we can think like, well, I don't know what to talk about. We don't relate. That's not the point. You think about the incarnational example of God himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son who came to our earth to relate to us. God didn't wait up there in heaven and say, well, when are you going to get to heaven and relate to me? No. The model is, is that we enter into their world. The other thing that I want to mention is this, that all of parenting, I become convinced as I grow in years as a parent, has to be done in humility. You have to be humble, guys. It does not work if you're proud, if you're arrogant, if you justify, rationalize. You just got to be humble in the process. And so uh, acknowledge that you have made mistakes and, and how you respond then, I think, in the moment is so critical. Like, what do you do in the moment when you blew it? Uh, when, uh, when, you're wa- when they're watching you live your life and you just messed up, how do you handle that moment? Because how you handle it, uh, if you acknowledge it, if you don't ignore it, uh, but if you just move on like it didn't matter, it didn't happen, that brings damage and woundedness that then you have to try to recover later on. So humble... Dad is a great way to go in what God calls you to be. He has shown the old man what is good and what the Lord requires of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly before your God. So here it is. I got three points for you. I got three points if you're going to be an influential dad. Here's number one. A godly father leaves a legacy. Leaves a legacy. Now think about this, guys. Because many of us are not legacy-minded. Maybe you didn't grow up in a home where your father, your grandfather were not intentional about their leaving a legacy. 
So when I say legacy, this is what I mean. I'm talking about how you live today not only affects your today, but tomorrow, not only months from now, but is generational in its impact. How I live, how you live, how you serve God, the example that you have, it does echo through the decades. It echoes through the generations. So you want to be thinking about that because you are leaving a legacy whether you realize it or not. You're either leaving a positive or a negative, an influential or uninfluential. You are shaping your family line. You are shaping your family tree. So for generations to come, how you live this life is going to impact them. Now, God, when he looks down from heaven upon our lives, he sees our lives, but he doesn't only see our life. He sees the generation after our lives and another generation because God knows that generations pass. So God thinks, God sees generationally. That's what he wants us to also do. So in Deuteronomy here, you have the great leader Moses. And he's coming to the end of his life, going to hang it up, and so he's been 40 years, children of Israel have been in the wilderness. And what he does now is he's, gonna, he's brought them to this point, uh, 40 years in the wilderness, and now he's going to talk to them about reminding them about what has happened over the last 40 years. And he says this in verse 29, Deuteronomy 5. Oh, that they, the children of Israel, would always have hearts like this, that is a heart for God, the heart is central, that they may fear me, and obey all my commands, watch. If they did, they and who? Their descendants would prosper for how long? Forever. Think of that. So see, this is how God sees them, is that not only their generation, but their descendants can prosper forever. And so he says, look, you need to have a heart for God. you got to work to have a heart for God. You have a heart, have a heart that obeys God. When you do that, when you have a heart that obeys God and follows God, he says this, it will have generational impact going down the lines. And so it affects your kids and your grandkids positively. Now, Joshua would take the baton from Moses, and so God would speak into his life too months after this, and he says this, Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you're going to meditate in it day and night. In other words, you're going to absorb what I have said so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous or blessed, and then you'll have good success. So watch this, watch this. This tells us that we got to do, men, we got to do everything we can to get like the word inside of us and then do what it says. Very simple. You hear God's voice, get the word inside you, then do what it says. And when you do that, it says, if you honor me and honor my word, this is what will happen. I will bless you and your generations in such a way that they will be prosperous, and that I will bless you in such a way that you will be successful. But it begins with your heart. It begins with your receiving what God has said here. So dads, there's a legacy for your children. There's nothing more powerful, there's nothing more important, there's nothing more valuable that you could do than to accept this because you are going to pass down your life to the generations. And so at the top, you're at the very top of the family legacy, a flow chart, and it's going to dri dribble down from you.
So he says this. He says, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your sons, watch, and your son's son. So do you see generation? It just continually speaks of the generation here and how it affects them. So God cares about you, but he also cares about what's following you. And God is using you to impact those that follow you. And so then he says this in verse uh, 3, which I command you all the days of your life and all the days that, that your days may be long. And then he says that you would be careful to do them that it may be well go well with you. So he says, look, it makes a difference in your life if you do what God has said. You will benefit in every way. You will benefit relationally. You'll benefit financially. You'll benefit uh, in your employment world. You'll benefit in every area of your life if you do what God says here. And so it's huge that we recognize that. So all of that to say this, either you are creating a legacy that will be lasting, or you're going to create a legacy that can be devastating. I want to illustrate it this way. Some of you perhaps have heard of Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was a, a brilliant young man. At 13 years old, he went to Princeton uh, University, or excuse me, Yale University, became the president of Princeton. But at 13, uh, he enrolled at Yale University. Smart guy, had 11 children. So you know he's busy, he got 11 children, he's speaking, important person. So here's what he did. Every night that he was home, he would spend an hour with his kids, uh, conversing with them, and then what he would do is he would bless them. He would bless each one of them. So here's a guy, a Puritan preacher, uh, esteemed uh, the privilege of being a Christian parent, raised them in the church, and here's what followed. Uh, a study was done by A.E. Winship, and trace the descendants of him for 150 years. Here are the descendants of Jonathan Edwards. One of them was vice president of the United States. One of them was a dean of a law school. Another a dean of a medical school. Three of his children, were, of his sons, were U.S. senators. Three of them were governors. Three of them were mayors. Thirteen of them were college presidents. Thirty of them were judges. Sixty-two of them were doctors. Sixty-five were professors. 75 were military officers, 100 lawyers, 100 pastors, uh, theological uh, professors, 285 college degrees from one man, lived 55 years on the earth. But of his 1,400 children and descendants, that's the story. Amazing story, huh? So, but here's a guy that did it right. There's another guy living about the same time. I want to talk to you about him. His name is Max Juke. And Max Juke had the opposite approach. You know what he told his kids? Kids begged him to go to church. It's different than nowadays. Kids begged him to go to church, and he refused to take them to church. He refused to do that. And so uh, when they asked him, they did a study. Another book was written on him, of his life, 1,026 of his descendants. Here are the facts about him, about Max Juke. Refused to take his kids to church. Refused to acknowledge God to his children. 300 went to prison for an average of 13 years. The reason they did the study on him is because in New York, they found out all these family trees pointing to this guy. 42 family trees that had been in prison pointed to Max Jukes. So they said to themselves, what is it with this guy that, that caused 42 families to end up in prison? 
Other things that happened to him. Here's his, here is his legacy. 140 convicts. Seven murders. 60 thieves. 440 were physically wrecked by alcohol addiction. 300 of the 1,200 died prematurely. 128 prostitutes. That's his legacy. I mean, gentlemen, I just want to point out to you that we have a choice to make. My first point is this. We have to be mindful that we can leave a legacy if you want to do so. Jonathan Edwards, brilliant legacy. Max Juke, a devastating legacy. So he says this. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your might. In other words, no playing games. Got to be full on. Like, get into it. Uh, love God, love God intensely, passionately, wholeheartedly with all that's within you. And I filter it this way. I filter it this way in that if I'm neutral about this, if I'm half-hearted about it, how am I going to influence anybody, much less my family? So he says, look, Moses talking to the people, telling them, this is what you need to do to bless the generations. Love God. You begin with you. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Have a passionate heart here. Then you can have something to pass on to your children. Really, to me, nothing else matters. So it's with all your soul, with all your intellectual strength. In other words, uh, it's obvious in your speech, in your calendar, in your generosity, in your life, and how you spend your, your time, and the friends you make, and the decisions you make. You can see it there that you love God with all your soul. So the second point is this. If you want to influence, if you want to be a person, of, a man of godly influence, second point is this. You got to love God. You got to intensely love God. So I want to uh, say this. He said, to diligently teach your children, keep dripping it in, keep talking about it, keep repeating it, keep putting it before them. The Bible says, look, when you walk by the way, uh, when you rise, when you lie down, when you sit, keep dripping it in, keep dripping it in. Say, well, it doesn't seem like it's working. Keep dripping it in, keep dripping it in. You never know when it's going to work. Just keep dripping it in. And so the idea is this, is that you could be uh, relational and conversational uh, about that. And then when you get the opportunity, then you can, then you can introduce uh, the God perspective. You can introduce then the spiritual perspective. Now, it doesn't mean that you're, like, weird about it. You're not, like, weird, like they walk in after school and want to talk about sports, and you go, the Bible says in Psalm 23, you know, and so just be, you know, and quoting Scripture. I mean, you might do that, but at the appropriate time, the appropriate way here. But, uh, but I think we just need to uh, introduce, then, spiritual and godly ideas, like, Maybe, maybe ask some questions like this. Maybe ask them like, well, if you go down that path, how do you think that's going to work out long-term? What do you think is going to be the long-term implications if you do that? Or say, you know, what, do you, I mean, what do you think like God would think of that decision, that direction of your life? So a godly father, number one, number one, leaves a legacy. Number two, loves God. And number three is spiritually intentional, is intentional. So I'm telling you, dads, uh, and I want to thank you for what you do. I want to thank you for what you do. Uh, I, being a dad, I, I live in the same world. I recognize the things that you carry in your life, the responsibilities that you carry. And I want to thank you for what you do. I also want to encourage you 
Think about the legacy that you could live, the legacy that you could leave with your family, that it is more than about you. We can't be narcissistic. We can't be self-centered. We've got to recognize it is more than about me. You know, my wife's lovely and asking me about what I want to do for Father's Day and where I want to go and we're going to do, go out to lunch and do dinner and all that like many of you or you went out last night. But really it's, and I love Father's Day and I, I love it's a holiday. But friends, it is not about the speaker this morning in even the slightest way. Not about me at all. For me, it's about them. It's about them and their kids, and then their kids. That's what it's about. That's what it will always be about. What I'm saying to every man here is, would you join me? Or would you make that your great, determine in your heart, begins by deciding and determining in your heart, this is who uh, I am going to be, and this is how I'm going to live. When I was 26 years old, and I was talking about my family, because I don't have a godly uh, my my uh, father or my grandfather were not godly. Dating back four generations, there was a godly man. The past few generations have not been godly. And I was discipling a young man. His name was Kevin Sanner. And when I, I, I somehow told a little bit about my story, and his parents who are here today, sitting right out there, like 25 years ago, Dick and Linda, maybe 30 years ago, Dick and Linda Sanner said this to me. They said, Rod, you can begin your own legacy. You can begin your own legacy. And I am echoing their words to you that you too can begin your own legacy. Maybe you didn't have a, a father or mother who was a godly example, but it can begin, it can begin, I'm telling you, with you and you. It can begin with all of you. It can begin with you. And so loving God from all your heart. Uh, uh, it's about leading your kids. If you do it, they will prosper. They will be successful. And you really like, like the hand of God that is on your life will be on their lives too. So this, friends, Deuteronomy chapter 6, my Father's Day message, this is the word of the Lord, and this is the word for us. Let's pray. So, Father, thank you that we could be here today. Thank you, Lord, that we could... Um, Open the scriptures on Father's Day and unpack Deuteronomy chapter 6 and hear the very voice of God through the word of God. Hear, Lord, that we can have a legacy, that it begins with us, determining our heart of hearts to do so. Father, I pray that we would be intentional. I pray, Father, that we would be men who want to leave a legacy. Some need to hit the reset button, but we would love God intense, uh, intensely follow you with all our hearts, and give our future to you. So Lord, I pray you'd bless the man that you would do this and you would do more. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.